You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 93, Feng Shui FAQ. Welcome to the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious living spaces. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their lives. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you've been listening to us for a while or you're a newbie, welcome. And we hope you enjoy this earlier episode. So the topic of this podcast, this episode is feng shui frequently asked questions. So I'm going to ask some of the questions and or I'm going to ask the questions. Laura and I together will answer them. So you ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. Let's Shoot. Do- All right. <laughs> Number one, how is a feng shui reading done? Ooh. I would say first, I will qualify it and say there are many schools of feng shui and many different ways to practice feng shui. So you will have a different experience depending on the approach and the perspective that your practitioner studies and uses. So for me and for Black Sex, I mean, again, each practitioner is slightly different, but a reading would be where you work one-on-one with a client. The client could be residential or it could be a business. You assess a home, you review, generally review the floor plan, either ahead of time or on site. You look at design details, at the bagua, at the lot shape, at the house shape. You talk about the client's own personal chi. So you could do the nine star key, which is a form of astrology. You can also just talk about general elemental issues within the home, too much wood, all that kind of stuff, If or with the client itself. You recommend and work closely with the client. It's very organic in some ways. You work closely with the client to come up with the correct adjustments and cures to help them find more balance. Sounds too simplified, but to help correct some of the issues that are coming up. And I find that generally it's sort of a, a pattern that runs through everything. So there's a, a nice story that's created and, and then those adjustments and cures kind of work together. That's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And I might also add that there are some misconceptions with feng shui consultations. For instance, Sometimes people think, I get this a lot, like in fact, a friend wants to have a feng shui consultation and he said, oh, well, maybe it's not the best time because I have a leak right now and I have to clean things up. And so while it's definitely beneficial to do a feng shui consultation when things are good, or if you're like, typically people think, you know, I'm moving into a new place, I should do a consultation. And those are all great times. But Also, when you're in transition or things are not great is actually a very beneficial time. It's kind of not not that we are not therapists at all, but it's kind of like waiting to go to the therapist when things are good. Mm -hmm. And you can go to the therapist when things are good. It's actually more beneficial, like with this friend, to 
look at what's going on with the league, what's going on with this and what's going on with that to improve your space. You don't have to have everything perfect. Exactly. Yeah. We often get, oh, I have to declutter. I have to get organized. I have to get everything. It's actually better for us to see how you live because that's, we're not trying to change. We're not, we're not judging you. We don't judge. Okay, good. We did number one. Cha-ching. Okay. Number one down. Okay. What direction should my head be facing? No. Okay. Well, that is a common question for a compass school practitioner that could answer that. So there are, this comes back to that there are different schools, many different perspectives and schools of feng shui. We practice the school that is called Black Sect, where we don't use the directions, the best directions. There is a school that practices that. So there are uh, directions that you would use in certain circumstances in your life. And how we tackle the issue of making sure that you are placed optimally in your bedroom and that you sleep in the best position, we call that, we defer to what is called the command or commanding position. And that is all about facing the predominant direction of chi, which is the main door to your bedroom. Yes. You want to be able to see the door, but not be directly in line line Mm -hmm. with it. And also that said, like if you've worked with the a different type of practitioner, like a compass practitioner or a flying star practitioner. I think those are all like, those are all great and valid schools of feng shui. So, so we support it, but, Mm -hmm. um, but we just, we would use the commanding position, which you can read about on our blog. Okay. Next one, which front door should I use? So usually actually the question is more like, I have multiple doors, which door should I use? Right. To lay the bagua, right? Yes. Yeah. So this will come up if, and often it is accompanied by, I always come home, park my car and come in through the garage door because I use that door every day. Is that my main door? The answer is unequivocally no. The, your front door is your front door. This is a really simple one to answer. If you are laying the bagua, always use the front door that is your architectural front door where when your house was built, the intention was that that is the front door where a mailman would come, where your visitor that didn't know where to go would come straight to your front door. So always use the front door to lay the bagua. Yeah, it's always the front door. That's it. Yep, that's it. It is what it is. (laughs) And if you have something that's different, that's a great time to get a one-on-one with someone or go to practical feng shui because then you can look at your specific situation because there's- It's pretty rare, but yes, it does happen. Yeah. Okay, so Laura, please tell me. What is the feng shui bagua map? Well, if you've been following our blog, you will also find it in our feng shui basics episode. But the bagua is one of the methods and tools that feng shui practitioners use to review and map a space. So it comes from the I Ching and it has very ancient roots. It has shifted forms over the centuries. And now we use it in the form where it is laid out in, it's always been nine areas, but it's nine, it's eight guas, ones in the center. So nine areas total. You spread it out equidistant so that all of the areas are uniform across anything, a house, a lot, a face, a car, it doesn't matter. You can put, you can use it for anything. It's basically to, for lack of a better way to say this, energetically map a space so that you can see how a home, room, lot, how you would 
break it up so that you can reflect different aspects of your life, which are the guas. And the guas are just like, that's a whole discussion just on the guas alone, but really it's a map that we sort of look at and go, oh, so that's the area that we would focus on for, could be the father, or it could be, you know, helpful people, or it could be new beginnings, or it could be wealth. And there is an area of the map or an area of the bagua to represent everything that happens in your life. And it falls outside of that, then you go to the center, but that's another discussion. Yeah. And ba means eight and gua means area. So bagua, it's eight areas around a center. And just as a note, all the schools of feng shui, maybe not the form school. I think all the schools of feng shui use the bagua. And the bagua is the same. It's just the application is different. How it's applied, how it's laid down is different. Mm -hmm. Okay, next. Oh, wait. And then we'll also t- tell them about our um, downloadable Bagua. Yes. So it, we'll put it in the show notes too. We, If you go to mindfuldesignschool.com, click on blog, boop, you'll see a little square on the top right-hand corner and that, or in, if you're on your phone, you'll see it there. And it is a downloadable PDF that will walk you through how to use the Bagua, how to apply the Bagua. Very basic. Okay. And last but not least, and, and Laura actually was saying before we started recording that this might have to be a two episode or more thing, but last but not least, Laura, what's the deal with bathrooms? Mm. Get rid of them. (laughs) If you have a bathroom, get rid of it. So bad. So bad. bad. (laughs) No. So uh, uh, obviously bathrooms are required. You have to have a bathroom. It has to go somewhere. So it's going to end up being somewhere in your house. Yes, there are better places than other places to place it, but you have to work with what you have. So bathrooms are different than... I, I, Angie, you can speak to this, so I'm going to leave that point for you because you're really good at describing that because that's some of our, one of our teachers, Barry, had always said when he described it. So but I'm going to leave that for you to talk about what bathrooms used to be like, so the history behind a bathroom. But overall, yes, there's draining energy. Water goes out. Water is flushed. It's, it's you know... Obviously, your you know things are being rid. The body's being rid. It's not a it's not a symbolically positive place in many ways, but what you do with it in terms of how you design it, how you take care of it, how you correct it, you basically can change. You can you can correct it. it it's it's it doesn't ever have to be a problem. So, but yes, it does have water. Lots of water. Water is representative resources and money. If you unpack it further. And yes, people connect it with flushing that away. So not ideal to have it in certain areas, but again, in the feng shui we practice, there's always ways to adjust and to correct. So don't freak out about having a bathroom in a certain area. There's things you can do. Yes. And and so our teacher, one of our mentors, Barry Gordon, you should definitely check him out. He actually has a, did a, I did a couple of cool podcasts with him before Laura and I started the school. And so you can see those in the previous episodes. We did like a spooky feng shui or some like feng shui ghost thing. Anyway, so Barry would always say about bathrooms, which I, I also tell our students now is that bathrooms should traditionally in China the bathroom is not the most pleasant room in the house. And in fact, when feng shui was developed, it was probably not in the house. And even now in developing countries, the latrine, they're far from where people live because it's a place for disposal and it's not a healthy 
area to have near your home and it's a breeding ground for diseases and illness. So there's a lot of negative connotation connected to an outhouse or a latrine or, or your bathroom. So you have to understand that's part of the story. And at the same time, there's a water element involved as well. So while bathrooms are still something to pay attention to, and especially like if you work with the consultant, they can start to see if it's something that needs to be corrected or not or worked with. But in general, I would not get it. We all have to have a bathroom, so don't get freaked out by it. And if you work with the consultant, you can get it fixed. You can remedy it. But, you know, also in Western society now, I will say my clients, because I'm an architect and I do renovations, spend the most money on the kitchen and the bathrooms, right? So Mm -hmm. it can also be a place now in Western life of rejuvenation, of support. Like my favorite thing to do is take a bath. So it can both be kind of that draining energy, but it could also be supportive energy. So this is where Laura and I try to bring feng shui up to date and make it more modern so that it does embody the connection to the lineage and to the past and acknowledging the culture where it comes from and where this comes from and how a lot of these feng shui principles are embedded in our our DNA from, from generations. And then also how we can shift the mindset and when it's appropriate, but that really takes a skilled practitioner. That's so that's the deal with bathrooms. Is that, is that, is that five questions? Yeah, we did five questions. Oh, look at that. And okay. thank you for answering most of them. No worries. Next so, time we'll do it all, you can do it. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this earlier episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. Now you can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share the podcast with others. Subscribe and even better, leave a review. If you'd like to explore the world of holistic spaces and feng shui on an even deeper level, please visit our website, online store, and blog for more information about feng shui and holistic living. You can visit holisticspaces.com. Support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.